what about the babies? What about the boy born blind? Let me say this. Everyone is represented by Adam. Everyone is represented in Adam. Everyone, to put it in biblical terms, Romans 5 was deemed and considered fallen in Adam. Everyone is part of a fallen class, a fallen team, a fallen species, a fallen race, a fallen people because of Adam. Romans chapter 5, verses 17 and 18. For if because of one man's trespass, death reigned through one, that one man. Death came into the universe through one human being's decision. Therefore, as one trespass led to the condemnation for all, and the parallel to this, the antecedent to this, the, the, the response to this, the contrasting parallel to this is that one act of righteousness in Christ leads to justification and life for all men. Not every last one, because we know not every last one saved. The book of Romans makes that clear, but every all men in terms of all men without distinction, not all men without exception, because that's a big point in the book of Romans. Both the Jew and Gentile have access to the gospel, the Jew first, also to the Greek. So the idea is we know that Adam and Eve represented us. Now, once you start talking about original sin, which is what we call that, the representation of humanity in Adam, everyone's going to throw a flag on that playing, oh, that's not fair. Well, here's God in his fairness deciding that these two people will represent everyone. I know you want to raise your hand and go, I'll try that. Let me go back and try that. But the reality is the trying to do what is right in the human race failed in Genesis chapter 3. And I don't know that you could have done any better at it. I don't know that you would have done any better at it. Who knows what you might have done. But all I'm saying is God chose that these two would represent us all. And so it is that everyone born from that time received the condemnation that came through that act. Now, the parallel is you probably wouldn't have done any better when it came to the garden. I would argue you wouldn't. But I can say this, the parallel of that imputation of guilt is paralleled by the imputation of God's gift, his righteousness to you, so that you qualify for eternal life. And I am saying this, I know you wouldn't do what Christ did. I understand that his imputation was one of grace. The imputation of Adam's sin was probably just one of clerical accuracy, just getting this thing figured out from the very beginning from a human perspective. So we're represented by Adam. That's why babies can die. That's why babies can be born blind. That's why babies can be born with spina bifida or whatever else you might see. Then you say they made no choice. They're part of a human race that is fallen. They're fallen because they're all represented by Adam. We've preached on that before. You can look up a few sermons on that if you'd like. Even the sermon on Romans chapter 5 is helpful in that regard, I think. The other thing you ought to remember in all of this is we're created. We're creatures. We're not the creator. I'm trying to figure out how to present this in a fresh way tonight. The thing I wanted to start with and I didn't, but rises to some attention here is that the argument about God not being good or being what he ought to be because there's sin and suffering in the world, the argumentation, and I don't just think it's today, you can go back to the philosophers of the 17th, 18th century, it always has as its center me, us, the exaltation of the human being. And now it's reached a fever pitch in our American Western society where everyone feels autonomous and shouldn't have anything happening to them that they don't choose to happen to them. They know nothing of monarchical leadership or authority or kings anymore. Kings are impotent even in the UK. The idea of 
the authority structure they don't understand today. And we saw the rise of this in the Enlightenment in particular. And the idea of people saying, you know what, we deserve to have happen to us whatever we choose to have happen to us. And I should be able to do whatever doesn't measure up to some external deity's standard and I still shouldn't get the consequences that don't live up to my standards. That kind of thinking is at the core of so much of this. And the Bible would say, remember, you're not God. And that's a helpful thing in this discussion. Romans chapter 9, verse 21, we don't like this, coming from Jeremiah's prophecy, but the recapitulation of this idea, the potter, right, does the potter not, has, has the potter no right over the clay? The rhetorical question, of course it does. He can make out of the same lump one vessel for honorable use and another for dishonorable use. As I've illustrated in my book on theodicy for the popular person in uh, that Harvest House book, Lifelines for Tough Times, I talk about Rita the rat, and the rat gets exterminated in my hedge if I want to exterminate them and if I want to give it shots and clean it up and put a bow in Rita's hair and deliver it to my daughter as a, as a pet and feed it and give it vitamins and care for it, you would say, okay. You might question, I mean, I guess you wouldn't question it in modern Orange County life, but you would question in other eras what kind of crazy parent I was to give so much attention and love and, 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 and affection to a rat. It's a rat. I mean, come on. Um, but I could do it. And I don't think you would say, if you're a normal person at least, um, why are you showing such discrimination? Why don't you take every rat out of your back hedge and adopt them? Well, I just want to adopt one. I want to adopt two. I don't want to adopt 20. And I assure you, I got 20 rats in my, in my hedge. But I called the county to try and kill them all. Um, so that decision-making that I make as the homeowner in my home, in my hedge, as insulting as that is to human beings who feel a sense of dignity, and not just dignity, but autonomy and hubris, I think that you would say, I guess it makes sense in the disparity between you as a homeowner and authority as a human being and the rat and the vermin in your hedge. And I guess you got the right to show grace to whomever you want to show grace to. Well, it's even worse in the illustration that Jeremiah uses or this passage resurfaces, and that is a potter and clay, well, that clay, he can do whatever he wants with the clay. Why? Because he's in charge of it. He can make one to be put on a shelf over the fireplace and have everyone use it as a piece of, of, of discussion about the beauty and, and the mastery of my craft as an artisan and a, and a pot maker, and I can use one as a spittoon to spit my tobacco. Uh, I don't chew tobacco. It's an illustration, but I'm thinking of something gross that you would do with it. Um, so I can do whatever I want with the clay because I'm in charge of the clay. I bought the clay. It's my clay. I worked at it. I did whatever I want. That picture in scripture is so important when it comes to theodicy. There's no book that talks about theodicy more than Job. The whole point of Job is why in the world is Job suffering? He buried all of his children and in-laws, right? His daughter-in-laws, son-in-laws. Think about that. He was suffering scraping pus off of his body with pot sheards, broken pieces of pottery. I mean, even his wife says, you gotta curse God and die. You gotta shake your fist at God and say, why, 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 why? Just like you would think the 
modern person who's seeking after God who gets a diagnosis of a prenatal congenital disease that's life-threatening to his child, you would say, you should say, why? And the whole point of Job is trying to address that issue. And Job starts by never accusing God with wrongdoing. Why not? He understood something about God. And in that passage, he says, the Lord is given and the Lord is taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And that is a, that is a calibration of his thoughts being, I am a creature, he is the creator. Now, no one on your, on your block is gonna think that way until God's spirit starts to prepare them for the gospel. But they've gotta think that way. Everything about the gospel is grace in part because God is a God who can do whatever he wants with his creatures. If he wants to torture us all, he could do that. You may say he's not good in that regard, but that forgets the gospel, which we won't have time to deal with tonight, but the gospel is that God entered into creation and took on the pain of creation and the suffering of creation and even decided to absorb the suffering that you deserve. But at the end of Job, the Lord says, hey, fault finder, because he goes through a bad time from time of saying the Lord gives, the Lord takes away, blessed be the name of the Lord and not charging the Lord with wrongdoing. Well, starting in chapter four, he starts assigning the Lord all kinds of wrongdoing. And so he comes, God does at the end of the book and says, hey, you want to condemn with the Almighty? He who argues with God, let him answer it. And then Job answered Yahweh, the Lord, and said, behold, I am of small account. I know that I'm a creature. What shall I answer you? I lay my hand on my mouth. I have spoken once. I will not answer twice but I will proceed no further. The idea of the book of Job without any answers for Job, he doesn't know the scene that played out in Job 1 with Satan and this whole thing about God's glory, but he realizes at the end of the book, starting in chapter 38, God starts saying, remember who you are, remember who you are, remember who I am, remember who you are. And he starts to say, I'm of no account, I'm of small account. You know what your neighbors who are accusing God of wrongdoing because they're suffering, you know what they say? I'm of large account, I'm of a big account. And the whole point of the Bible, at least in this, under this heading, you're creatures. You're a lump of clay. God is God. You're not. The seraphim are not going to bow down and say to you, holy, 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 that you're the creator of all things. Two chapters later, because God doesn't let him up. I mean, he goes for another two chapters saying, let's talk about you and who you are and who I am. Job then answers the Lord and says, I know that you can do all things. You can do whatever you want. No purpose of yours can be thwarted. Who is this that hides counsel without knowledge? That's what certainly was said of Job. Therefore, I have uttered what I did not understand, things that are too big, too complex, too beyond me, too inscrutable for me, too wonderful for me, that which I did not know. One of the reasons if we try to get down into the mind of the non-Christian when we're sharing our theodicy that's never gonna work is if we try to concede that your thoughts about yourself are right. You're right, you shouldn't suffer. You should never have a child with a birth defect. You should never have arthritis. You should never have cancer. I mean, if I start saying I, as a dependent creature created by a God who can do whatever he wants, I want him to do whatever I want, then we have really confused categories. 